Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bill and Roop's Fairly Accurate Podcast. Hey, Dean Roop. Yeah, good week. Hi, Bill. Yeah, very good week. Thank you. I have been um, growing herbs this week. Herbs? Yeah, I'm making, in your a, garden. I'm making a herb garden. Oh, it's on the windowsill. I've never done it before. But I went to buy some basil. This is very interesting. And I looked it up on Gardener's World and I split them all into little tubs. Yeah. And they're on my windowsill and they're all like, none of, nothing's died. And I've started now getting other herbs. I've got the bug and I'm a herb gardener. Although I've only done it for a couple of days. You do realise that it costs about, what, 80p in Sainsbury's? I know, but you can, like, keep them growing. I mean, it's nice to grow them, isn't it? It is nice. I we... get worried when Chris takes them and then actually uses it for cooking. I mean, it's a bit annoying. Oh, no, don't do that. Don't no. do that. No, but uh, we, we grew a carrot once. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't eat it, obviously. No, good. But yeah, yeah so we can easily tell people we were gardeners. <laughs> do you think so? <laughs> oh, anyway, enough about me, Bill. How about you? What have you been up to? Well, I've hurt my leg again. You know, you know, I did oh, the part run. I know. Yeah, and then I, um, I pulled a muscle, ripped a muscle. I mean, it was really hard. Yeah. And uh, and I took really strong painkillers. Right. And um, they, they just sort of make me feel like real discombobulated. Oh, that's a big word. Yeah. And it, like befuddled and uh, sort of spaced out, totally spaced right. out. It's like I was on another planet. No. Yeah. I can see what you're doing. I know. I did it again, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you did it. <laughs> How long did that take? It took me all week to write that. Did it? Okay. But it was true about the painkillers. They're, just, they're, they're yeah. just too strong. But anyway, but anyway, I just want to say welcome to this an amazing guest who she's just so wonderful person she's i've known her not that long how long 10 years it's nothing is it it's nothing but she's just such a wonderful person i'm going to say wendy Bose. she's out of this world big round of applause for wendy Bose. <laughs> welcome wendy yeah I, we're just we've been waiting for this podcast to come up since the original conception, yeah, didn't we? We're very we, excited. It was like, what can we talk about? I know, like you said, C5, and I went, I know somebody who does that. Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know Wendy, uh, we've asked her on to our podcast because of her incredible knowledge about contact between extraterrestrials and humans. And I'm going to say that again and put reverb on it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Contact, contact between, between extraterrestrials. And humans. You nearly said that. Okay, I know. it's going to sound great with effects on. Wendy, um, first met you when you did um, a talk at Guys Cliff House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember that? I do. Yeah, it was just you had the audience in the palm of your hand. So, what you, can you explain what you do and how you got into it, please? Because it's just so fascinating. Okay, so uh, I'm retired now, but I spent uh, my entire career in information technology and uh, became a senior executive quite young. Um, so uh, I've run, you know, big, big IT services, businesses, companies. Uh, I had my own, um, my own consultancy in the City of London. I worked in the City of London for about 30 years. Uh, and I specialised in transformation, transformation of organisations, transformation from technology, transformation, particularly latterly, digital transformation for organisations. I have now retired uh, and I'm doing all kinds of other things. Are you but saying you'd be able to I fix did. my laptop? I could, well, possibly. Well, I could after. tell you what was wrong with it, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get me, because I've had terrible problems no. with my laptop. 
Um, a CE5 is a close encounter of the fifth kind. They also get called a human-initiated contact event, right? And that's when we, as these little people on this planet here, decide we want to talk to the folks out there, the visitors, I always call them, just to make the point that we're not all psychopathic, warmongering idiots, that actually we're all compassionate, good people and we really would like to have a better Earth. So that's what CE5 is about. It's not about kicking the tyres on a flying saucer or shaking <laughs> shaking hands with a little green man on your knees. I was looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's not about that at all. It's absolutely about a very uh, much more sophisticated approach because the people we're talking to, they've travelled across the galaxy, right? Uh, they have technology we can only, we can't even dream of it. Their technology is so amazing. Some of them have been in advance of us for over a million years. So looking for, a, you know, the rivets on the flying saucer and things like that is just pretty stupid. So how did you get to this stage then, Wendy? Well, that goes a long way back. Um, I'm a lady of a certain age. I'm retired now. But that means when I was a child... There was great excitement because man was landing on the moon. And so space was very much what people talked about. It's what the newspapers were full of. Not only that, but the children's programmes, and you might remember some of these, Thunderbirds, oh, yes. Fireball XL5. Stingray. Yeah, Stingray, mm. Space City, all of that kind of thing. Doctor mm. Who, right? Mm. So the generation that we are was raised on that open-minded approach that, oh, yeah, there might be Daleks or there might be this, or, you know, Cybermen or there might be, you know. And I had an older brother who uh, was quite a bit older, 10 years older, and he had comics, right? So we had Superman and Batman and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was just interested in everything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that's what you, you were as a child. So by the age of 10 years old, I was a keen astronomer. I was out mapping the stars night after night and uh, you know being a bit of a nerd i could you know at one point reel off all the diameters of all the planets and their distance from the sun and all that kind of thing i can still point out the major stars and constellations and a few facts but i've forgotten most of it now because it's a long time ago but i've always always been interested in the sky and so when and i lived in um, a very poor bit of north warwickshire it's a, a big council estate called camp hill and as the name says, it's a hill. So the view of the sky was pretty good. And in those days, we didn't have the same light pollution. No, of course. Yeah. And in those days, we didn't have so much junk floating around up there. So I would go out there and watch the sky for hours if it wasn't too cold. And, of course, there are all sorts of interesting things going on up there. And at that time, the late 1960s to about the mid-1970s, it was quite acceptable to talk about the stuff flying around in the sky. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be headlines on the newspapers, you know, police chase flying saucer through yeah. the lanes of whatever. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was just normal to talk about. A lot of people, of course, still did go, well, I'm not really sure they're real. But there were so many sightings and so much going on that it, it you know, I didn't really question it because I'd seen lots of stuff flying around. And that includes, for example, seeing a small white light go across in the sky, which you might think would be a satellite. We, we had a few up by then the Russians had put up a few but it went round it turned right angles and was doing squares across the sky wow. like it was mapping 
Mm. And I was sitting there, I remember sitting there thinking, and I, I might have been 12 or 13, thinking, we haven't got anything that goes at right angles. We haven't got anything mm. that goes round like that. Mm. So, you know, and there were loads and loads. The sky was full of stuff at that time because it was the height of the Cold War and all the rest. And um, I think our friends up there were a bit worried. I remember um, at that time, so I'm talking about the late 60s now, yeah. there was a newspaper report from, uh, I think, someone like West Yorkshire. And I really believed it because the guy who reported it um, was a piano tuner. He was on his way home from tuning a piano. And the last thing he wanted to do was to be stopped by lights because he wanted to get home to his tea. Mm. And it yeah. was cold. And he saw this thing. Um, and he said, I better tell someone. The next day, told them. And he said, I saw that. Very similar to what you're saying. This mm. thing was um, coming down to him and then moving all over the place mm. in funny zigzags and various things. And then he went home, but he just wasn't bothered. He didn't want any, like, fame or anything or money. He mm -hmm. just said, I better tell, because in those days, they reported things yeah. to the local police. And that got into the press. And I thought, oh, that's something, that's, that's not a crank. Mm. That's somebody who, you know, is probably telling the truth, mm. you know. You wouldn't mm. argue with a piano tuner, would you? No, you no. wouldn't. And it's quite funny because, you know, obviously, you tell your friends that you've seen things. And as I was, went into the teenagers and all the rest of it, I would be quite clear that I'd seen things uh, and, you know, I won't go into all the stuff that I saw as a kid. But, and, and your friends would kind of, you know, pull a face. And uh, But do you know what? Several of my friends in the following five years, you know, would have something happen. They'd come and tell me, oh, my God, oh, my God, you'll never guess what. There was this light in this field as I was driving home late from a gig at, like, three o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And there was this big light, and I knew the farmer, and I was thinking, what the hell is he doing out on his tractor at this time of the night mm -hmm. when it just took off into the sky at an incredible speed, right? Mm -hmm. So then they believe you. And um, and my best, and, and, you know, my best friend, she lived in a flat and didn't drink, right? So she was always the driver, night out with the girls, gets home, after clubbing, you know, three o'clock in the morning again, that kind of thing. Where she lived was a there was a vast wilderness behind what was an old brickyard where there was nothing built. It was completely dark. Goes into her kitchen before she goes to bed to get a drink of water, and there's the equivalent of the thing from the, the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, a great big thing hovering yeah. over this dock. And the thing is, she was terrified. She spent the night under the kitchen table. But she thought perhaps she dreamed it or something. But the next day, the newspapers were full of people reporting this big UFO. Wow. Right. So other people saw it too. And so, again, she said, well, I never want to see one again because it really frightened her. Um, and I think the fear is one of the things we need to talk about. But at the end of the day, they're there. You can't say they're not. The people who see them mm. are, are sensible sensible intelligent people you know so so c5 is is close encounter yes and there's a c1 c2, c2. yeah there's an order so c1 is like you know you see it uh c2 is that you see evidence of it like imprints on the ground or burn marks or whatever people have c3 close encounters of the third kind that's as the movie showed was people actually you know sort of being close up to a to a craft c4 is being an, an abducting being on board abductee in the inverted commas is that a thing well let's talk about that a bit later well quite because yeah. my granddad he disappeared for weeks on end and we anyway, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> maybe, you know. Maybe. So, uh, and then C5 is when we humans ask them to show we themselves. We initiate it. We initiate it, yeah. Right. Human initiated contact event. So, oh. Let me get it right, just to clarify, because uh, this is a group of the people on Earth communicating with aliens from another planet. Yeah. Communicating. Yeah. So is it communicating remotely, as in like thought or speech or radio signal? How does it work? Well, it's all of those things. Mm. I mean, people who are practised, um, shall we say, meditators, anybody who knows how to meditate knows that they can quiet in their mind and just focus on one thing. And if you've got a mind that's trained like that, all you have to do is that, literally. You just do that. Most people have got very noisy minds. They've got no discipline in the way their brains work and all the rest of it. So you first of all got to teach them to meditate a little bit at least. And so a lot of um, the training courses, if you like, include um, include some talking, some uh, electronic equipment signalling. Uh, and so on. So Stephen Greer, when he does a full-blown CE5, he has a lot of tech. Right. A okay. lot of tech. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and are these aliens here, as in like communicating them within a, I don't know, going around the Earth, or or are they in another di- time dimension, or I mean, are they actually yeah. physically? in contact here they they don't tend to um, materialize into our physical state uh, unless it's safe to do so okay and it these days it's not often safe to do so so we're talking a different dimension well it depends on your definition of dimensions densities mm. you know i'd, I'd like density. to use the analogy of a yeah you have a cell phone right you pick up your mobile phone and you type something into Google, like what's the diameter of the earth or something like that. Mm-hmm. You're holding your cell phone and Google brings you the answer. Did you see the data flying through the air? No. no Did you no. see the question going out through the air? No. Mm. Now, we don't question that that technology works because we've been given that no. technology. It's like microwaves, it's all that stuff you can't yeah, see. You isn't can't it? see it. No. You can't see it. You can't see magnetism easily. Right. But we're swimming in a swamp of it. We're in an ocean of electromagnetic energy. These eyeballs that we have and the senses that we have, very, very, very restricted. We see a tiny fraction of what's really there. So all they have to do is phase out of that level of us Mm -hmm. seeing and Mm -hmm. hearing and they can be here and you wouldn't you wouldn't know. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just trying to get grapple with it. Because you're right, we don't see these waves that give us like TV screens and our computer, you know, we stream a lot of stuff, don't we? We can't see it. You can't see it arriving on the airwaves coming into your phone or your laptop. No. It's magic. I think it's magic. Have you or anybody you know actually been face to face or sort of communicating with an alien that you've seen, you can see them? So you can actually see a flying saucer or whatever, for want of a better description, and actually communicate with something you've seen. Yes. Yeah, oh my God. Um, I mean, I have anyway. Yeah. But there, in, from the point of view of uh, people who go on CE5s, there's some very clear stories of people having, you know, one guy had been deaf since he was a child uh, and had hearing aids and things. And uh, he had a long conversation with what he described as a light 
shape that was about 50 yards from him on a C5 this was uh, and the next morning he was in tears he'd gone to bed afterwards he was in tears because he could hear everything it had fixed him because he'd said to them, he, he after the conversation, he said, it's been so good to talk to you. Uh, you know, I feel really honoured. Uh, and and uh, I think he'd got the message, is there anything we can do for you? And he'd, he'd laughed and he'd said, well, you know, I'm fed up of being deaf. And the next morning he wasn't. You might be able to get us to be able to sing in harmony. <laughs> I know, I think we could do with that. Great, we? wouldn't it? Yeah. Great. Uh, I'm going to be honest, Wendy, right? Okay, because we, we wanted you on and, and we love this subject. But... I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm a sceptic. Of course you are. 100% sceptic. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with ghosts. Yes. You know, I, I want to believe in a ghost. Um, I've never seen a ghost. And until I actually probably see one, I'm not going to believe in one. Mm -hmm. I want to believe in it. And I want to believe in aliens. Root, what, what's your... Well, I'm open-minded about this because, yeah. I, like Wendy, you struck a chord with me because I grew up. I mean, I remember getting comics with Planet of the Apes. Do you remember yeah. Planet of the Apes? Yeah. I still like draw them, and I remember all the all the big heroes that you had. And I, and I wanted this to be real, you know. Mm. And I think it, you're right; it was in the air, wasn't it? All of this. It was. Um, I never saw anything until I did see um, the CE5 documentary. And I did one of these meditations. I went, I was going to try it for myself. And then later that night, um, although I didn't really think about it much, uh, my wife, Chris, um, did see a little blob in the air. And I heard, um, I just thought, I couldn't really see it because I had my contacts out and I couldn't really see it. So I took some photographs of it. And later on, the photographs came out as this long... Um, strip of metal with sort of various dents in it it looked like some shiny bits on it and I've shown a picture of that to, to Wendy earlier today and she's saying oh yes didn't you Wendy you said yeah, yeah thing. there's lots so, oh, there this is normal the, yeah, yeah. That, that's I, and to me I didn't want mm. to um, make a big deal of it so I think I told you as my yeah. good friend from before yeah. um, but I didn't really want anyone else to know about it really because mm. because I didn't want everyone to think I was a crack. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens to people. So, you know, you know every, if you told your mates at work, you'd just be laughed at. You know, I didn't tell anyone yeah, at work. I didn't no. tell anyone apart from you. And then now I'm blinking while saying it on a podcast. But yeah. um, just to go back to your question about do I believe or not, I have to, and if I saw a ghost, I'd probably believe in ghosts. I haven't seen one yet. So, but I'm open-minded because I don't know. I don't know. Um, however, with this, I'm more inclined to believe it now because I've seen something. And what I don't know is, is it one of our own exactly. ships? Exactly, yeah. Is it something the Soviets have put up or, you know, that the Chinese or the, or the British? Is, you know, at one point I thought it was a laser beam coming out from uh, Warwick Castle in one of their shows, but mm. it wasn't. You know, it was just hanging there. So, so Wendy, there's a thing called a, a, a Fermi paradox where they, they say, well, OK, if you look at the stars through mm -hmm. a telescope, mm. if they're around, why can't we see them? I mean, that is, you know, it's, it's not a disrespectful question, is it? It's not a disrespectful it? question, so, no. You know, or we get radio um, s uh, signals or something like that. Mm -hmm. So w why... W what? Why can't we see them? Well, first off, you're assuming that they travel sub-speed, sub-light speed. 
good point. You're assuming yeah. that they, they travel yeah. across space the way we do with yeah, a silly yeah, rocket point. and a yeah. chemical explosion going on. Mm. And they don't. They, material, they dematerialize in one place and they materialize in another. So they don't do the kind of traveling that we expect to do. Um, s- secondly, um, are they here? Yeah, tons of them. Can you see them? No, because they're, they're kind of cloaked like, the, you know, mm. that, that technology. We have that technology. We have that cloaking technology. And I think Roop's point is absolutely clear that these days of all the stuff you see flying around that people might say, oh, my God, I've just seen, you know, a flying triangle. They're ours. Mm. We've got this. We've got a lot of this technology. Amazing. And yeah. that is the point of the disclosure movement. The disclosure movement is to help people understand that they can take matters into their own hands and, mm. and communicate peacefully with people. And this is Dr. Stephen Greer. This is Dr. Stephen Greer's protocol. But there, there are people, millions of people around the world doing it. But the other thing about it is to put the pressure on, particularly the US government, who seem to have a very tight grip on this, to, to release the technologies that they've kept secret for so long that would really change our world. So, are you, are you, is it a fan of Stephen Greer or a follower of Stephen Greer? Because I need you to get the terminology right. I'm a, um, a friend and a follower. A friend and a follower, yeah. Because if I say you're a follower, it makes him look like um, yeah, a sort of guru. guru. Yeah, yeah, guru. Yeah, no, I'm a friend. Yeah. yeah. So, you've been over to meet him, yeah? Several times, yes. Oh, wow, my goodness me. So what's he like then? What sort of person is he? He's, he's a really uh, amazing man. I think he must be the bravest human being I've ever met. Um, physically, he's a very big guy. Um, and um, he does, he is a very strong character. Uh, but this man was a, was a doctor. Hmm. He gave up his medical career to pursue disclosure. And... He, you know, he spent most of his life saving lives um, and uh, and looking after his family. So he is, you know, he is a really honourable man and he tells the truth. And if, if there's ever a time when he can't tell the truth, he'll just say, I can't comment on that. So he does know an awful lot that you might ask him, but he'd never. So what you're him. saying there is that he's, he's someone who didn't need to do this. He didn't need to do this he at all. He was doing very well. He had, a lot yeah. of, he had a lot of kudos in his community. Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah, interesting. Yes, mm. yes, absolutely. And so he's he started in the 1990s. I think he gave up his medical career in the late 1990s. Um, he petitioned um, the American government loads. He got lots of um, animosity, lots of directed attacks against him all sorts of you know there's been some some pretty unpleasant stuff uh, gone on uh, but the great thing is now 30 years on is that this the, the senate hearing committees are taking place he's got the full backing of the american government to go through with disclosure and he is the expert um, there are other people there obviously and Stephen keeps a low profile so you will see someone like Luis Elizondo or somebody like that on telly all the time, but he's like a government man. Stephen keeps uh, a low profile from that point of view, but he is the person behind all of the disclosure stuff going on now that's coming out uh, and that the American uh, houses, the Senate and, 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 and so on, they are um, 
they are demanding, demanding answers. And they've actually issued a kind of a, uh, uh, they've given the military industrial complex a certain period of time in which to come clean. Talking about the disclosure, Mm -hmm. what are they disclosing for those people who don't know? Okay, so um, all the things that got heavily denied over the last 50 or 60 years. So if you recall, we were talking earlier about how stuff was flying around everywhere and the newspapers were covering it in the 1970s. And then, bang, I won't do a clap, but bang, you know, all of a sudden it became, you were persona non grata if you talked about any of it. It got hit with a blanket of secrecy so thick that it became a non-subject. And anybody who said anything uh, either got their lives ruined, their careers ruined, or, or they were laughed out of their communities. It was a very, very powerful program of uh, discrediting anybody who talked about this stuff. What's been happening in all that time is that um, the governments, you know, they've been crashed crashed um, machines, if you like, um, brought down, some of them may be deliberately crashed to give us a bit of a lead on technology. Actually UFO machines? Yeah. So <gasps> non, non-human, non-terrestrial. Ro- Roswell was a famous Roswell, one. Roswell, yeah. There was one the before that at Trinity. Mm. Um, and, that, and, you know, things stepped up with the Second World War. So um, you will all have heard of a band called the Foo Fighters, right? Mm. Well, you know, they named themselves after... Foo Fighters. And if you look up Foo Fighters, the Germans thought they were an Allied secret weapon. The Allies thought they were a German secret weapon. They were tailing aircraft, going in balls of light coming inside aircraft sometimes, looking at the pilots and the controls and everything else. They never did any damage, but they were just monitoring. But if it wasn't the Allies and it wasn't the Germans, what were they? So we've had this activity going a long time. However, the big disclosure... Uh, squash, if you like, started with Roswell. Uh, and that's because that the atom bomb was, the first atom bomb was, was de- detonated there. And after that, a lot of the uh, UFO activity was focused around nuclear missile sites. Hmm. The famous British one, Rendlesham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't supposed to have nuclear missiles on it, but it did. Right. So so a lot of it was about about the fact that we've got this hugely destructive technology. And and so the Americans and the, the Russians were having just as many crashed and the Europeans were having just as many um, just as many experiences. And they all, of course, you know, if you're a hammer, everything you see is a nail. If you're a war machine, everything you see is an enemy. And so they basically appear to have dealt with it in a warlike footing of regarding it all as uh, it's got to be classified, uh, we're under threat, they're going to invade us, all this kind of thing. So the technologies obtained from Roswell, if you were to read a book called The Day After Roswell by Colonel Philip Corso, he will tell you that all our, all our electronics came out Get of Fibre optic, you name it. Mm-hmm. It all suddenly flourished, didn't it? And and so we've been allowed some of the technology. Allowed by whom? By, well, this is the question. Who is pulling the strings? And I don't think it's the governments. Yeah, right. so this does get a little just, bit deeper. I just want to go back to something you said, because I, I asked my daughter, actually. I said, if I'm going to talk to someone who knows a bit about UFOs and aliens, what is it you really want to know? And she said... Um, 
I want to know if the aliens are nice or naughty, mm. which I thought was a really pertinent question because of all the movies you see. Okay, now she's twenty four and she's not three. Okay, <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's what she wanted to know. And uh, but you know, a lot of the movies that we've seen, like Independence Day, you know, the, these got you know that's what we get, you know, pounded with from alien. Hollywood alien. are about these aliens that are quite yeah. nasty. They're going to invade. They're going to eat us. Oh, yeah, Alien, the movie. I love all of these movies, I have to say. But it's all about the nasty aliens. So I thought her question was quite pertinent. So could you answer that for her? Yes, I certainly could. Uh, First of all, the movies, the change in the movies happened quite quite late on in the 1990s. If you look at Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Steven Spielberg, they weren't baddies, were they? And and before that, they weren't baddies. So so this is a modern thing. Fear them. Fear them. War footing. Be scared. They're coming to eat you. They're going to take over the world. Yeah, that is the message coming out of... Government. So the US, you know, the uh, ATIP thing, Advanced Aerial Threat Programme, right? Oh. Everything's a threat. Everything's war, war, threat. war, war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the fact is, to answer your daughter's question, 99% of them are really good guys. And they've been coming here for thousands of years. Mm. So if you read through ancient scriptures like the Vedas, if you read through, if you look through the Sumerian scripts, mm-hmm. if you if you talk to the South Americans about their their, their philosophy of where life started from, people in yeah. Hawaii, the yeah. Egyptians, the North American Indians, they'll all say the same thing. Well, you know, we were complete heathens and then these people came from the sky and taught us how to do things. Mm. And that is the story all over the world. And so I think what's been happening is there has been intervention to help us to evolve uh, and this is where we've got to. And we're at a kind of a bit of a tipping point uh, now. Are they scared of us? I don't think they were until we'd exploded the atom bomb. Right, that's the catalyst. Yeah, and uh, interestingly, Oppenheimer, uh, you know, when he did explode the atom bomb, said, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. He was quoting the Mahabharata. Uh, So he knew that it had happened before on Earth, right? So that's a whole other story. But um, uh, an atom bomb is not just a bloody great explosion. It 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 is an impact into the substructure of the universe. And so it isn't just felt here. It, it will have ricocheted out into all other, other bits of reality that we don't even know exists yet. Mm. And that's why they suddenly picked up and thought, mm. we've got to stop these, you know, these non-hairy apes from doing too much damage. <laughs> Sorry, so you've got the, some technology. They've landed here or maybe crashed here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the governments or whoever have got this technology. Mm-hmm. Why not release it? Why not? What is wrong with the government saying that there are aliens? Well, nothing now. I, you know, the polls would, you know, around the world, I'll say, everybody would go, oh, yeah, great. I always knew that. Um, yeah. When yeah. can I meet them? Kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Will they take me out of here? Because this place is crazy. So, so human beings, I don't think anywhere in the world have got an issue with there being people from other worlds out here and particularly when a lot of them look just like us i have to say people think it'd be little greys or little little green men or whatever actually they look just like us and there's lots of them here so already would you say they planted us here is well, that is that that's a possibility? just that's just an opinion but yeah if you, if, you, if you look at the sudden change in human evolution uh, and you look at the second chromosome 
just just you know just look at a few youtubes or whatever about this but yeah the change in our genetics was extreme and very sudden we should have got prof, prof moff back again yes we'll have to ask him <laughs> we'll ask him it's, i think it's an interesting question though uh, what i really want to know three groups wants to know is um is there any thought of the shift that humans would need to go to let's say we accepted they're here Mm-hmm. governments were far more open. They mm-hmm. may not release all the tech because they want to keep it for themselves. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But let's say we understood there were aliens here amongst us and we were getting on and liaising with them. Do you think there's an issue with us being a small player in a bigger field? Because particularly if you look at the USA and the Russians and the way we work, we want to be the... You know, we've always been the centre of our universe, haven't we? Mm-hmm. We've been like you know we were in God's image. We were, you know, all of this stuff. We're not going to be that important anymore. No, we, we? Yeah, we live and in a backwater. So is there any sort of thought about how that will affect our society? Yes, indeed. And I think they've been preparing for this. So, for example, the Pope, not the current one, I think the previous one, um, had a major study done on wow. ha- uh, in about 20 years ago about um, what the church's response is. And the official response of the Roman Catholic Church now is that God created the universe and all the many creatures in it. Yeah. Accept I them. I accept them. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Really? I didn't yeah, know that. I knew that. Yeah, it's, it's well, right. yeah, the Roman Catholic Church also has some of the most advanced telescopes in the world. If a, a, a ship was to come and arrive in the sky and start talking to us, after the initial, you know, excitement and all the rest of it, it was like, well, how does that ship hover in the sky? How did you get here across 35 light years or whatever it might be? You know, how come you can dematerialise? How come, how come all those questions come out? We want, we would want to know how that technology works because it defies physics as we understand it. Mm-hmm. And this is what you'll see on the all that footage of of the uh, the pilots from the Nimitz and all the rest going. This is defying the laws of physics because those things do. Now the thing is that we've known this. The government has known this. Well, I'm not sure it's the government, but the, what the government did in the 1950s was to set up what's called the military industrial complex where they gave the technology to companies like Lockheed Martin and Boeing and all the rest of it and got them to start re- reverse engineering. So the, th- the story is, and I don't know how true it is, that those big corporations, yeah, they reverse engineer it, thank you very much. We'll just give this much to the public and we'll keep the rest for ourselves. So, so the problem is that that it's not the government keeping it secret it is the big military industrial complex and the muscle it wields that means wherever there's a crash site in the in the world that the west is able to get to if there's a if there's a an incident in uh, australia for example who comes and investigates it all americans hmm. americans yeah in brazil there was that case in brazil yeah who turns up the american military hmm. Yeah. So so there is a there is a grip on the whole thing that is not government led. And so the American government is in the dark. And this is why all of this stuff is happening in America now, because they can't deny that these craft are flying around. Are they extraterrestrial or are they ours? Mm. 
And our, our, our poor fighter pilots are going out sent to chase these Tic Tacs or whatever, risking their lives when it's actually human beings flying those Tic Tacs <laughs> and all that technology has been kept secret from them. Yeah. Can you imagine how angry people are? And that's not even to go near the medical technologies. Mm. If we've got, if, if those folks up there have got the ability to, to cure nearly all the major diseases we face... So just to, just well, to back, but it also yeah. look at the people that died over the last 50, 60 sure. years, it wouldn't have done. So just to backtrack a little bit, because you talk about the Nimitz and you talked about various things. So this is, I think, pertaining to the recent Congress sort of open hearings that they had. Yes. Where you had some whistleblowers, I believe, mm-hmm. um, who actually work for the army. So they've got really good credentials and they... Um, you know, and they basically got visuals and video of these tic tacs and various things flying around and doing their maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Um, quite big things, some of them, you know. Um, but uh, but this, but it was the credibility of the witnesses. I think that was a key thing here, wasn't it? Yes, um, indeed. And there have been there are thousands of very credible witnesses, mm-hmm. including you know you might you might think these people might not be qualified, right? Astronauts. Fighter pilots, physicists, you know, mm-hmm. military people of all kind of rank, air traffic controllers, commercial airline pilots, mm. really stupid people, huh? <laughs> they think they saw something in the sky. Piano tuners. Just because they saw something in the sky doesn't make it an alien. It doesn't, no. It could but, be ours. Yeah, it could be anything. I'm going to ask you now, because you, you mentioned protocols. Mm-hmm. Okay, with Stephen Greer's protocols to talk to the aliens, mm-hmm. right? So can yeah. you just explain what, what you mean by a protocol? Because it's been okay. niggling me. Okay. So basically, um, you do a meditation, and you need to know how to do a meditation. You have to get yourself quiet. You need to be in a relatively quiet place. Normally, we'd go out to the deserts or a clearing in a forest or something. And um, you meditate and you do what's called remote viewing. And remote viewing is nothing more than sending your mind out. Yeah, sending your mind out there. So just imagine you've flown off the earth and you've flown past the moon and you just go out there and you, you put a call out. And I generally do it as, you know, hey, we've got a bit of a gathering going on down here. Is anybody out there? And amazingly, you will find if you're in a good meditation that you might well get a, oh, yeah. And so what you do is you vector that you you tell people where you are. So you have to have a bit of a grasp of where we are in the galaxy, right? We're on an outer, very, very outer edge arm of a spiral galaxy. You you point out where Earth is and you and you vector back to the Earth and you see the lovely blue Earth and you come back to your bit of England or Colorado or wherever you might be. And you say, this is where I am. And sometimes you might get an indication. You'll just get, you don't get language per se. You get a concept in your head and you'll get a concept of, say, a particular constellation. And somebody, if you're in a group, somebody else might get a set of numbers appear in front of them. So on, a, you know, a, a typical would be I'd get the, the Cassopia uh, constellation in my head but not know when it was going to happen. But somebody else will get 11.15pm. And at 11.15pm, we all sit 
looking at Cassiopeia. And yeah, bing, big flash of light. So I didn't believe any of that because that's what Stephen Greer said. So I tried it for myself. I didn't even do the Western Spiral Arm of the Mm. Galaxy. I said, I'm off the M40. Is it true? I was just quieting down and I um, uh, I was in my bedroom, so I wasn't in a desert, which shows that anyone can do mm-hmm. this. I, yeah. That's interesting. Anyone can I was do in it. my bedroom, I drew the curtains and I just, it was just in the middle of the day and I just shut off for a bit and I imagined where I was. I said, I said, mm-hmm. if, um, if it'd be great to see you, I just went quiet and I said exactly what you said, Wendy, mm-hmm. which was, hi guys, we're here, we're not scary and it's all fine, you know, it'd be great to see it. And I said, and I'm off the M40, and I said, if you're coming from London, <laughs> can you believe this? Come up the M40, right, take a left at the castle. I'm just about there. And that's where I saw this thing. And it was that, that night, and I had forgotten all about it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even say what time, I didn't, yeah. I were, didn't even it, look for a yeah. message like you said. You were innocent. You were completely innocent, oh, right. and that is and that is the lovely thing. If you have too great an expectation, or you're looking for some massive download, you're not going to get it. Just be innocent about it. Mm. It would just be really nice to see you, mm-hmm. for you to give me a flash of light or a signal that you're there. And you, know? you can communicate with these um, beings, yeah. In with in, when you have a group, your group would communicate. So, are, are you negotiating? on behalf of the human race while negotiating with with these aliens so you know what what's the purpose behind it the purpose talk? is friendship right okay the purpose okay. is friendship there's no negotiation right it it is all about the fact that here we are we really do want peace on earth and we we really appreciate that you're here they will come and if you're in a in a reasonably large area where there's not too many people about you will get all kinds of things Lights, shapes, um, mm. the local animals will respond. Mm. Um, the last one I was on in Arizona, um, the coyote all just came and sat near us. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, you will get, and people do in a in a in a powerful C five where you've got quite a lot of people doing this. Um, you will get touched. Um, you will get images put in your head. Uh, you will feel absolutely wonderful, um, heart-based something, just really wonderful uh, feeling um, from them. Uh, they're just so far more advanced than we are, that, you know, and they are basically great compassionate beings. Um, I'm not saying they're godlike or anything. They simply are more advanced. And other different alien species or one alien species there's lots lots yeah this neck of the woods is they're mostly humanoid-ish uh and as i say i think there's a lot walking amongst us so we wouldn't know that they were not from earth they will be from somewhere else that is very like earth and so they'll be they'll be here wandering about and observing just like in star trek and things like that Uh, my mate dave he was we always said he was an alien I have to say, in my mind, I had the C5 group negotiating on behalf of the human race 
which worried me a little bit. No, no, you no, know, no, it was no. Like, oh, what gives them the right to negotiate? No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. It really is. Uh, you know, we, you know, we just want to say hello, and we and we're in peace, and we know that you're in peace. And I think the powerful thing about that, and and as I say. I was open-minded. I sort of believe it more now because of my little little experience, nowhere near what you went through, Wendy. Um, it's available to all of us and not just some elite industrial complex or the government or whatever. As you know, you've got every right. I think this is what came through to me was that we've got every right as an individual to talk to another individual. That makes sense. And I think that that's the important thing. About so this. Part of me says that's great. And another part of me thinks we ought to have some laser guns ready to defend ourselves. All right. So, you know what and I mean? It's a very typically human response. It is a human response. And, and, and it's I, a human response growing up in the West where war, war, war is the economy. But, on the other hand, I'm a great believer in Star Trek and the Federation and Captain Kirk, who was like my hero. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So no, no, but they they had a Federation, didn't they? They did have a Federation. But they also had laser beams. They did. They had both. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, but you know. There were some nasty aliens in those, though, Bill. Like the Klingons and the... Okay. Whoever. Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually getting a little more, more persuaded as we go on. <laughs> I, I certainly wouldn't say that every single uh, entity that is not human um, is, is a good guy. Uh, I think if you look at the way human history has been warped, uh, I think there's some bad guys around. But what I do think is that uh, Gene, uh, Gene Roddenberry, mm-hmm. uh, he got a lot of his inspiration from people who were doing in those days, CE5 type things. Really? And he was yeah. told... Oh, excuse me, I've just got to take Sorry. this. Sorry, Wendy. Cut this bit out in a minute. Yeah, hang on a second. Hello? Hello, who is... Oh, hi, Ruby! <laughs> it's me, your hello. wife. Oh, hello. Sorry, Chris. All right. Yeah, all good. Darling, I've just come out of Tesco's. Okay. Can I come and listen to um, the podcast? Because Louise said it's about UFOs. It is. Tonight. It is. And is that right? It is. Is, is that okay? It's like, great. Great it, to see you. Do you mind if you, Not at all. Not at all. Wendy gives... Hello, she's Chris. nodding. There you go. Oh, I didn't realise it was about UFOs. Oh, That's man. really interesting. Brilliant. Well, I'm just leaving Tesco's. I'll be there in about 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Is there anything you want, Bill? Is there anything you want, Wendy? No, thanks. Lou roll. Can, can she help herself with some Prosecco or some beer or something yeah, like that? Yeah, some Prosecco would be nice. Thank you. Bye, 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 bye. She's lovely. She's yeah. so lovely. <laughs> so there's two. Was it two trillion galaxies in the observable universe? Observed so far. Yeah, so far. Milky Way's. Got, I'm impressed that you've just seriously. I've looked into this. I, just, I've done, I do my research. Two hundred billion stars. In the Milky Way. In the Milky Way, you right? Know all the answers, Wendy. Life on Earth began four billion years ago. On Earth. On Earth, okay. So, you know, but we should be able to see them. It's just like there's so many stars, so billions of stars. Why can't we see them, Wendy? It's mad. Well, uh, for for a start off, there are there are stars out there that uh, scientists have spotted that they think are have mega structures built around them. No way. Yes, oh, I've never heard of that one. Well, wow. yeah, check that one out, uh, Tabby's star. Oh, 
Yes, I know what that is. That's yeah. uh, something sphere, isn't it? Yeah, Dyson sphere, like a Dyson, Dyson sphere, sphere kind of. yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Like a Hoover. Dyson sphere. Dyson sphere. Yeah, back. yeah, yeah. James Dyson gets everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's all right. No, so uh, they need. I mean, they need per- permission. I think of of a unified Earth uh, agreement that they should really formally turn up. But what makes you think they haven't already, right? So a lot of the people who ask these questions have never bothered to look at the history of the whole phenomena. So you will find that after after the Second World War, uh, there was a big flyover of Washington of discs seen by tens of thousands of people. Oh, yes. I remember that. The Washington mm, flyby, right? Yeah. During the Second World War, there was a massive battle of Los Angeles against a giant craft which nobody, everybody said didn't really exist. So why did they, why did they all fire? What was it they were firing at and thousands of people saw again? So they had, you know, they did do the equivalent of landing on the White House lawn, except that they landed at a, a secret, an air base. And, this is uh, Area 51. No, no, uh, this, this is, would be, Area 51 didn't exist then. Okay. Um, and they apparently did land and there apparently was a conversation. Uh, and this was Dwight Eisenhower's president at that time. And, uh, and and they offered this particular species offered a deal and um and uh the military uh, advisors in his government uh told him not to take it so the americans on the behalf of the rest of the world told them to piss off wow and i actually remember um something about eisenhower's very last speech yes he there warned a, against the military-industrial well, complex. But he actually mentioned, and no one knew what he meant. No one knew what he meant, and mm. then so did John F. Kennedy, and he was dead within a week. Yeah, mm. this is what we're dealing with. You look at the some of the leading military guys, um, and they they end up falling out of a skyscraper window accidentally. Yeah, uh, yeah, mm. uh, or their body is found floating down the Potomac River with a bullet through the through the brain. It was a suicide. Of course, it was a suicide. Wow. You know, this has been a very, very nasty, nasty, mm. nasty uh, fifty or sixty years. Mm. Um, but it's coming to an end, and I think that's why this is a timely podcast because it is coming to an end because the whistleblowers are coming out of the woodwork all over the place now. Yeah. And and but the question is is how much disruption is it going to cause? If we were given free energy devices that meant you didn't need the the, the power grid anymore mm. to power your house, what happens to the industry that provides the power yeah, grid? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. If you've got if you've got a, a a med bed you can put in your bedroom to get into to, to make yourself perfectly healthy, what happens to all the pharmaceutical industries? Yeah. So you're looking at a total disruption if you're not careful. And that's why this has got to be handled carefully now because it's been kept secret far too long. But this actually is a, um, a good point because um, every week we have, um, we, we ask our audience to ring in and, and ask a question. And we've had a, a Louise um, call in and um, she asks... Her question, thank you for ringing, Louise, again. Um, will the government create a fake invasion or a, a fake, like a black ops thing? Is, is that possible, do you think? That was absolutely the plan. So Werner von Braun, uh, as he was dying, 
uh, did a deathbed confession, which which basically predicted the future. So who is so before we start, who is he? Werner von Braun was the the Nazis' leading rocket man, right? Who the Americans uh, took along with several thousand other mm. uh, into America and made him head of NASA. Yeah. Right, and they say we wouldn't have got to the moon without without him. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was a brilliant man. Yeah, he was a brilliant man, but he was still a Nazi. Yeah, quite. Um, but he 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 told his assistant what the plan was, which was, you know, once the Cold War was over, then there'd be a war on terrorism, and then there'd be this and there'd be that, and it would end with a fake alien invasion. And so, if you if you see now that the, the military, those black triangles, right, that fly around, that people go, oh my God, there's a UFO. That's called the TR. 3b it's been flying for over 20 years um it's no surprise you know the blackbird the the and the the stealth the stealth bomber was flying for 30 years before they unveiled it as such so they've got this kit out there the tic tacs the the triangles all these things they could easily fake an alien invasion Mm -hmm. have everybody terrified demand more money off the taxpayers and uh you know and just take control of the planet yeah, and that's what our friends out there, our, the visitors, uh, they they don't want to see that happen. Wow. That's why they're being so careful. It's about greed at the end of the day, isn't it, really? And also, I think there was a bit around, uh, I, I, I was listening to um, Stephen Greer talk about the fact that he was so surprised that in the 90s he was asked to go and brief the president and yeah. the head of the CIA. I can't remember which president it was. Uh, was well, it, oh, it would have been Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. One, yeah, yeah. Because he, they weren't getting the truth. Right? So there was someone above them, and mm-hmm. I'm taking it, this is the industrial complex, but mm-hmm. there were, or, or even some families who, who were the energy farmer families, whoever runs America really, because it ain't the president apparently, mm. um, that, um, uh, so they were asking him to be to be giving them a brief about what's really going on. Absolutely. And so he walks out of that thinking, I'm just a civilian. Mm. <laughs> right? Do they, they tell him? Do they, they tell him what's going on? No, they, did, they didn't know. They didn't know. So he's wow. briefed a lot of presidents and heads of, um, you know, uh, security services and all this kind of thing. He's yeah. briefed a lot of people. And he, he put together the first set of 400 whistleblowers in the year 2000. Uh, so 400 400 and there's now thousands and thousands of whistleblowers all highly qualified all of whom will tell you the same story right so this is real this is real just because you can't see it yourself Mm. doesn't mean it isn't happening the thing is the key thing about it is though not that are ufos real and do people from other planets exist yes okay passe really Mm. the question is how do we deploy the technology, how do we make a world of peace so that we can join that federation you talked about? Mm -hmm. How do we stand up as human beings to be proud of what we've done? Because at the moment you look at the state of this planet and we're just lunatics. Mm. And and we will we will become unless we get some some change of heart, we'll become extinct basically, won't we? We get blackboard. Well, we 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 are. I mean we're dangerous. We're a dangerous species. Mm. You know, the other bit that really I suppose as annoying to hear is this compartmentalization mm. where they only allow certain people to know certain things. So mm. it's a famous thing with Bob Lazar, isn't there? And, yeah. and, and all these people, these whistleblowers, mm. they know their bit of it, but there's no one that knows everything, no. but there is someone that must know everything. Yeah. And I really like to know who that is. So if they like to ring in, 
Yeah. After this podcast, you, yeah. I think you can come, come on, on, on the podcast. podcast. That'd be great. Come yeah, on, the you can come on the podcast. <laughs> right, we're going to do um, a quick fire round. If that's okay, just okay. a few easy questions. Uh-huh. Okay, which will be doddle for you to answer. Okay, have we got a, a, um, a quick fire question? Um, Music thing. Oh, I don't know. We need one. We'll have to get one. We'll do the countdown one. Just, yeah. We'll do that. Five, four, three, two, one. So here we go. Are crop circles real? Uh, it depends on which ones you're looking at. Uh, a, lo- a lot are made by amateur human beings, but quite a lot are incredibly mathematically precise if you look at the crop it has been folded over and woven in mm. a way that oh, really? a human can't it. do and the, flattened, and the crop just, yeah. and the crop will then regrow and the farmers if you were to, to get them it, they will tell you that that where a crop circle was last year the crop on that part of the field will grow an, an awful lot better wow. so the idea that it's a couple of blokes with a plank and a rope is just ridiculous could they help my herbs <laughs> okay next question i might ask that question when i meditate next time sorry um, ufos are they saucer shaped oh they come in all sorts of shapes so the lots of them are pyramid shaped um obviously i said the triangles they're they're man-made um but source the a lot of the early ones from the, the flown by the little gray people they're saucer shapes yeah okay. but there's loads of them that are long cigar shapes to great big huge things yeah wow Okay, next question. Can you buy equipment to help you contact aliens from Amazon? I don't think you can in Amazon UK. Okay. Right. So what Stephen Greer uses in the field. So there are things called, you can buy um, a multimeter, which basically um, will detect magnetic field anomalies. Now, electricians use them here to find cables in walls and that kind of thing. That will tell you if you've got a magnetic anomaly going on around you, uh, and you can buy those in Britain. In America, they use something that is like a the old um, radar detectors that you had on your on your in your car where before they were made illegal in so Britain. Like a bat detector type. Thing. Yeah, 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 and basically they pick up uh, radar type uh, energy, and uh, that's generally the first sign. If you're on a C five with somebody with on those, the first thing you'll hear is that detector starts chattering, oh. and that's the sign that people are here, people are coming because it picks up their vi- picks up their energy. Yeah, very good. Very but you good. can't buy that in Britain. You no, okay, all right. Well, we can get it from the states and import it, can't we? If you're on Prime, maybe. <laughs> The um okay, you've answered this. I'm gonna ask you again anyway. Are aliens walking among us? Absolutely. Have you never met any? Could you tell? I've a couple of times come across people when I've sat here like we're sitting here thinking, I don't think he's from here. Really? I always thought Steve Jobs was an alien mm. no and Elon a lot of people f- think Elon Musk is an alien I love that man mm. I don't know if, mm. I yeah. love him to bits well, you know, but um, I think he's an alien I think as well when you look at if he wants to come on the podcast and yeah. disprove that he's welcome yeah there's certain people who have certain features mm. that you think you know like I, I think David Bowie for example when I tried to paint him mm. it was very hard to make him he's, look human yeah very otherworldly that's probably because I'm a rubbish painter but that's yeah, you know, very otherworldly yeah, yeah. Are the, next question, are there any specific locations around the world that are hot spots for UFO sightings? Oh, yes. 
Oh, it's a motorbike. <laughs> Carry on. Are there hot spots around the world? Absolutely, there are hot spots. Um, there, there's some very well-known ones in uh, in America, of course, but Britain has its own. Yeah. Um, so, if you wanted to go up to North Yorkshire to Bempton and Flamborough, is it? Um, Flamborough Head. Flamborough Head. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I know yeah. Flamborough. Yeah. Um, they get a lot of activity in Wiltshire, but there's so much military down there that it's quite, yeah, hard, it's quite it. hard to know what's going on. They're often around military bases, aren't they? You know yes, I mean? yeah. yes, so, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, are there groups, are the C5 group? Oh, hang on a second, we've got visitors. Come in. Are you from another planet? Yes, of course. Chris, this is Wendy. Wendy, this is Chris. Are there groups, C5 groups, in the UK people can join? If they're interested, what do they do? OK, well, the easiest way to do that is to go on Facebook. There are CE5 groups all in regions around the country. There's also something called HICE, the Human Initiated Contact. So if you go on Facebook and just look for C5, you will find there's a Midlands group, for example, there's a Southwest group. Uh, and there's a you know, kind of a national group, and then that networks to international groups as well. And we'll put some links onto yeah. the website. Don't all come to my bedroom just because it worked for me once. <laughs> Don't do that. Chris may not like it. <laughs> uh, so, and last question. Um, you're saying there's a disinformation campaign against people believing in extraterrestrials. For yeah? the last 40, 50 years, yeah. My God. Oh, yeah, very deliberate. As I say, you know, when when we were kids, it was in the headlines of the newspapers every week. Police chase, you know, flying saucer across Lincolnshire or whatever. And then suddenly it became something no newspaper would print. I remember us going up to uh, what the hills, local Burton Dasset Hills and looking for um, flying saucers up there. Um but we won't go into that. What other people were doing up there, but we didn't stop. <laughs> in, in all honesty, that's quite near the. Um, there's an army base around there, yeah. Edge Hill. Clinton, yeah. yeah, that's right. It's just there, isn't it? it is. Light on the heat, yeah, so that's probably a good place to go. Yeah, brilliant. I was actually. on the M40 once when the traffic all stopped because this series of peculiar lights were flying across the sky in formation and everybody was slowing down looking at it. And it was only as you got nearer, you could see that there were helicopters, mm. but they'd put all kinds of extra lights on them. I don't know whether oh. what kind of a exercise they were doing, but they certainly probably convinced a lot of people they were UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. What gets me, Wendy, if we're alone and there isn't any aliens, mm -hmm. that's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. And for me, if we're not alone, that also can be terrifying, yeah. depending on your point of the, view. The fear factor is extraordinary. Most people, if they thought a, a spaceship was going to land or if they see strange lights in the sky, they get scared, I, which is really weird. It's a really weird uh, response. Whereas the native peoples of America and South America and all the rest of the Aborigines, the South, uh, South Africans, um, you know, when people came down from the sky, they all went and said hello to them. Mm. You know, but we, our response is, oh, my God, I'm going to die. It's going to eat me. Run away. And that's part of the social conditioning that we've had. Mm. You know, in the 1950s, they were making films about Space Family Robinson and things like that, where everybody was going out and exploring space. And it was all exciting. Yeah. And then it's turned into this. It's a nightmare. They're going to eat you and take over the planet and all this kind of thing. It's mm. absolute psychological warfare. Mm. Wendy, you are 
as I said at the beginning, out of this world. <laughs> yeah, because I just think when you're fascinated. Oh, I think I was. I think I'm just. I've written notes for that. I don't normally write notes, but that's brilliant. Thank you. And we're going to put the loads of links up on the podcast. Yeah, put some links up for the. So I, th- I think there's an app, isn't there, that I used that the helps C5 you with the meditation yeah. and yeah. yeah, that's all very good. I have got a question that I want to ask. It's really flippant. You're not going to like me for it, but if you were to come a long way, let's say even mm-hmm. from a different dimension, mm-hmm. wouldn't the first question be, when you met a human, take me to your toilet? <laughs> <laughs> because there are... Because it's a long way. You don't need the toilet. You're not wrong, especially us at our age. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I wouldn't want to go on Star Trek. But if they... But, I know we're supposed to be finishing, but you know, because I've sort of read up on uh, yep. uh, Einstein. Oh, you are. You know I, about I've it. Done, I've done all. I've read the Einstein. I've done about the how time flips over. You know, in me, that lady. Bird, yeah. That lady. Bird oh, book. that one with yeah. Oh, yeah. Jack and Jill does string theory. No, I couldn't get into that. I got into, it. Was the Ladybird book of um, quantum quantum physics? Oh, you did that. Yeah, one. you got that. That's yeah, a good nine present. pages. That was that was brilliant. Yeah. But I read all about that, and apparently they could leave like wherever they are and then get here in a moment they're not traveling oh i see what you're saying space. you're saying that they could materialize in a toilet in the toilet and then that'd be fine yeah ah, so they wouldn't have to yeah come all that way oh, so they could probably i go feel so sorry for wendy leave. she thought it would be serious and we're all so <laughs> flippant i'm no. sorry wendy all thank, right. thank, thank you. you so much okay. Okay. Wendy, thank you wendy wow. oh.